You are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for keeping up, Wildcats. Happy Thursday to everyone. I'm your host, Mike Luke, joined by John Brogan. All right, John, we got a lot to get to this episode. We're going to talk a little bit of U of A football, but we're going to start with U of A hoops because that is basically the prism which with Arizona sports goes through. And first and foremost, the latest news we have coming out is that Shane Dezoni, uh, 6'5 wing out of Brewster Academy in New Hampshire, a guy who considered Arizona his dream school, has decommitted. And KJ Simpson, ex-U of A uh, signee point guard, has committed to Colorado. Now, my initial impressions are that I think both these guys are good. They're certainly not irreplaceable. But it also kind of shows, I think, a direction in which Tommy Lloyd's looking to go that, first of all, he's going to want to have shooters. Second of all, he's going to want to have guys that are built along the lines of what he's trying to accomplish out here. And third, he wants guys that are going to be all in and more or less his guys. Yeah, first, I'm just sitting here trying to envision the University of Arizona as a football school, and that's hard to do. Uh, no, um, it, it, that will never happen. Yeah, I think I think these these two decommits are interesting to me for a couple different reasons. First, you know, you've got one real guard on the roster with Kerr Creesa. And obviously Arizona looks good for Ty Ty Washington. So let's assume they get him. You've got two guards on the roster. Both can handle, both can play off the ball. So you feel good there. Um, you know, Matherin is a two slash three, definitely not somebody who's a playmaker with the ball. Terry's a playmaker a little bit. So I think it's interesting to me that um, he didn't try to keep one of them just to give him some guard depth. So you have to assume he has a plan through, either, you know, late high school decommits, people getting out of their their LOIs or potentially the transfer market. Um, but I also think it's a clear indication of, you know, Tommy Lloyd wants his type of players who are going to fit his system. And you don't have to look super hard at Arizona versus Gonzaga to see the difference in the style of basketball they play. Um, and so... I think it's relatively normal that Lloyd would sit down and look at Simpson and, and potentially Dazoni and say, you know what? I don't think they really fit what I'm trying to do here. And and both of those guys are three to four year type of players. And so I'd rather save the scholarships and fill them with guys. I know that they can either a make an immediate impact because they're going to have a pretty talented roster next year or B guys who I can develop that can fit my system, which is a lot of movement, a lot of cutting, a lot of passing, and and obviously a lot of shooting. Dezoni's the interesting one to me because when you look at his highlights, and again, they're highlights for a reason. I totally get that. But when you look at his highlights, he looks like a guy that should be rated a little bit higher than where he is. Is kind of a fringe top 100 player. It, Brogan, when I've watched him, first of all, you can tell after five seconds that he's got a basketball player build, and he, and I mean that in a good way. He's a good athlete, not a great shooter. Totally get that, and I'm guessing that was some of the rub right there. But I look at him, and I'm, I when Arizona committed, or when he committed to Arizona, I was thinking to myself, this is a pretty, this is a pretty nice little get for Arizona. But you know, things happen, and uh, Tommy Lloyd's going in another direction. I just thought that he was a kid that looked a little bit better than his rating was. 
Yeah, and his situation might be a little unique. He stumbled onto Arizona's radar pretty late in the process and then came to a commitment pretty quick after that. So you wonder about the kind of impression or impact Sean Miller had on him and the coaching staff. Um, you know, seeing how fast Lloyd was able to get into the door with Ty Ty and make an impact there, you would think that that Lloyd could probably sell Dazoni on his vision of Arizona and how he would fit if he really wanted to keep him. So I do think this is kind of Lloyd and his preference of a player. But yeah, Dazoni's going to be a good player wherever he ends up. I don't think there's any debating that. He's athletic. He can shoot it. He can handle. Like he doesn't really have a ton of weakness. And we've talked about this a few times. We expected him to be rated maybe 20 or 30 spots higher, I think pretty safely. Um, so it'll be interesting to follow him and see where he ends up and how he does. Now, I think the well, the one guy that's going to be fascinating to follow is what happens then with Shane Noel out of uh, Seattle, because he's a guy that he comes from basketball royalty. His brother's Jalen Noel, ex-Pac 12 player of the year in the NBA. He's got a close commitment with Jason Terry. The fact that he hasn't decommitted yet and that nobody has really said anything kind of leads me to believe that maybe both sides are talking through, I don't know, back channels or directly. But it wouldn't surprise me if Arizona ends up keeping Noel because of the Jason Terry connection and also the fact that he's not a bad prospect. Yeah, do we expect Noel to come out and make an announcement that he's still committed to Arizona or he's recommitting? So uh, I don't know if that's normal you know, kind of practice here with these types of situations, but I think you're exactly right. We may not hear anything, and he just might stay committed to Arizona and might just be part of the recruiting class. I think if when you're Tommy Lloyd and you go to Jason Terry and you make the decision to keep him on the staff, I have to assume that part of that decision is keeping Shane Noel. So I'm kind of operating that he'll be on the on the team next year. He's got a good pedigree with his brother. He fills a spot, you know, that's a wing spot that's going to be, um, you know, Matherin won't be here after next year. And so he, he's going to be playing at a position of need. So I don't see any reason why they wouldn't keep him. And it's not like he's just a straight guard. He's more probably three than two at this point. And so they can use him in a lot of different ways um, with connection to, to Terry. I would be shocked if he didn't come back or if he was, yeah. didn't stay committed. Arizona. And so, and the other thing that I think we need to uh, tell people is that with the way that the transfer portal works now, just because a guy hasn't entered the portal right now doesn't mean that within a month they won't be in the portal. And it's very easy for a coach without tampering to basically let it be known that they're in need of guard help. So give you an example. If you're a guard at, say, I don't know, Texas, that's probably a bad example, but whatever. And you see that, you know what, I got a log jam in front of me right now. We've just got two more commitments whatever the case may be, and you look around at Arizona and they're working the market trying to get a guard, that is kind of how these things work now in this day and age. So whatever this roster is right now, especially without Shane or uh, without Shane Dezoni and without KJ Simpson, I think you look at it and there's a good possibility that you're going to have one or two more guys added through the portal that might not even be in the portal. That's where everything has really changed over the past, what, three to four to five years, Brogan? Yeah, and recruiting is changing as we know it, starting with last year and then especially this year where the transfer portal has become its own like recruiting season. And and now there's 
I think close to 2000 transfers in the portal or something crazy like that. And so players are going to be switching teams on a regular basis. And I don't know that there's going to be timing to it, but just to kind of tie back to your point, Arizona's roster is going to be well-known and it's going to be out there. And there's going to be players at schools that are going to say, Hey, I might be starting here, but don't really love my role. Or I might be a five-star who's a backup as a freshman. I can go to Arizona and fill a position of need. Then all of a sudden they're in the transfer portal. And these kids are connected to their AAU coaches long after they stopped playing in, in AAU ball in high school. And so there's tons of ways for this information to get out there without it being tampering. Um, and so I agree. Oregon's a great example. They fill their roster, it seems like, three months after everybody else, and it's with talented players. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona's adding a transfer or two in the next month or two or three for that matter. The guy to also keep an eye on here, and we've talked about him a little bit before, and we'll be previewing him later on in the week as well, is Arthur Kaluma, the big man out of Dream City that, while obviously not a guard, he's a top 50 player that you would 100% take if you're the Wildcats, and you wouldn't really have any qualms about it, even if that means that, you know what, it's unfortunate, but we got to run off somebody else. This show is brought to you by Rock Auto, as you all know. Rock Auto is the place to get all of your parts. And you know what? It's easy to find. When I go to rockauto.com, I'm able to find anything I want, as is John Brogan, as is Jason Shear, as is Brad Alice. Rock Auto gives you the best prices and the most variety and is the easiest way to find anything you're looking for. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats. If you're like me and you're like John Brogan, you like putting in some bets, and the best place to find any of that stuff, especially with the draft coming up right now, is betonline.ag. Well, speaking of a team that might have a guy drafted in Gary Brightwell, and why don't we uh, start with that before we get into some spring football thoughts. But uh, Arizona, ex-Arizona running back Gary Brightwell was a guy we talked about last year. And he ended at the season or excuse me, ended uh, the draft in Daniel Jeremiah's top 150. And Brogan, he was a guy that you and I talked about at the running back position for the U of A that always kind of looked a little bit different. Now, again, when you're as bad as Arizona was, anybody that's good is going to look a little bit different. But it's kind of cool to see a running back like that showing up on draft boards and a guy that I think has a chance to stick. Yeah, and and it seems like every year with Arizona football, there's one guy who we watched play, and we're like, okay, Brightwell's good. You know, I could see him potentially getting a super late draft pick or or you know signing to the practice squad or whatever. But then, you know, all of a sudden, Jan, Daniel Jeremiah, who I actually really like following, especially draft coverage, things like that, all of a sudden he has Brightwell going in the fourth round, and so it's definitely interesting. Um, I agree. He looked different. He looked like he ran harder. He looked like he kind of delivered a punch as a running back. Um, and he's also somebody who's a little bit elusive. And so it's hard to watch Arizona football and then think about how they translate to potentially the NFL. The other example of that is when you watch B. John Robinson at Texas, you're like, Oh, NFL player. I get it. I see it. But when you watch Arizona play and they're getting beat 70 to seven, by ASU, you're like, well, okay, can any of these guys play in in, in the NFL? Um, so I'm actually optimistic on Brightwell. <clears throat> I think if J.J. Taylor could find a niche in the NFL, I think, you know, Brightwell has more upside than that for sure. All right, now the spring game. 
you come away from that with a couple thoughts, and I've talked about how I don't think the quarterback of the future maybe is on the roster at this point. And I get what Jed Fish is doing because you're just trying to stay optimistic at this point. My question for you is this, is how long of a leash will Arizona fans give Jed Fish? And the reason I ask that is I believe that the guy is going to need three to four years because the talent on this roster is so low right now. But from your perspective, is this city going to give him three to four years? Yeah, I think this is going to be interesting because with COVID, people have been itching to go to a football game. And so when the football season opens up, I actually think the crowds are going to be significant, significantly better than maybe we think. But I think that's more due to the fact that people just want to get out and do something. And then when he goes out and wins zero, one, maybe two games, then you stunt that momentum. And then I think in year two, if you come out and have another season where you win zero, one or two games, I think the fans are going to start to get a little restless. And then in year three, it's going to be, you better win six or seven games or else we're going to turn on fish. So I think it's three years. Um, I think the first year is definitely going to be, well, he wasn't, he didn't inherit anything. Um, and then it's going to come down to recruiting. If, if you recruit well enough, you can be competitive in year three, I think. Yeah, so, and, and I do think the city will give them three years. And that's what's going to have to happen. And I think the most important recruit that we're going to be talking about here over the next six months to a year is Noah Fafita, the quarterback out of Servite in California. Every new coach always kind of has their guy that they bring in, and they either sink or swim initially with it. With Mike Stoops, that was Willie Tuitama. With Rich Rod, it was Anu Solomon, and both of those guys worked until they got hurt, obviously. Kevin Sumlin's was Grant Gannell. Kevin Sumlin sucked, so you know I don't know what a, much of a chance that Grant Gannell had right there. But you look at the roster right now, and I just don't know that that quarterback is on there from what I've seen. So you're going to really need that Noah Fafita to be able to come in and play immediately unless one of these guys out there is just a real gamer. Yeah, and I think we'll know that three or four games in. I think Gunnar Cruz is going to get his chance to start most likely, I would assume. Maybe it's Will Plummer, but they're both going to play in the first four or five weeks of the season. And I think we'll know by that point if we're just basically holding out for Fafita to come as a freshman and take the starting reins. Um, what I'm hoping for is one of them's a gamer, and maybe they show a little better than they've shown in practice and in the spring game. And kind of the Nick Foles thing where – and practice, he's not better than Matt Scott, but he is. So we're going to put him in the game and let him go, you know. Let's talk, before we let you go, let's talk a little bit about uh, the urban legend that is uh, Kevin Doyle. Kevin Doyle has now announced that he is leaving the U of A. And first and foremost, the fifth-string quarterback I've got to give a lot of props to because you always hear that he's a great kid. There's no doubt about it. But I think he's also a little bit of a cautionary tale in the social media era where you've got your dad and you've got some other carnival barkers out there that are pushing a kid and trying to push him as something that he's not to the point where a fan base almost subconsciously turns against a kid over nothing that he's done. And the undue pressure that was put on him by some people on Twitter and by his father I think is a real story that, you know what, you got to be careful in this day and age. And when it came down to the football field, I'm sorry, but when two different coaching staffs basically view you as fifth string, then you're probably just not that good. 
And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. That still doesn't mean you can't have a good time in college. But to me, Brogan, he's really a cautionary tale of the dangers of social media. And here's the thing. Whenever there's situations like this out there, I just try to to simplify what's going on. And if I try to think about it from Kevin Doyle's perspective, if I were diehard, loved football, wanted to showcase my skills, if that were my mentality, I wouldn't be at Arizona for three full years before I announced my transfer. I would have transferred after year one or year two when I didn't, when I was, you know, didn't get my shot or my fair shake or whatever. So, you know, part of me thinks that Kevin Doyle is all those things you've said, right? A good kid wants to be on a team, wants to have fun in college and may not really football may not be his end all be all. Um, but it certainly is being portrayed out there differently by other people. Um, and I just can't get over the fact that he waited so long to transfer just to get an opportunity to play when that could have happened any time in the last three years. And one other guy that's moving on is Nathan Tilford. This was a kid that I was definitely wrong on initially. This was a kid that, you know, was a four-star type guy out of, uh, uh, California, looked the part, big, physical, had everything you want, but just not quite something was missing. And when you're that good and three different coaching staffs pass on playing, you something was missing. And I'm just, I'm not exactly sure what it was, but I got to take at some point three coaching staffs words on that one and wish him well. Yeah. And, and Tilford wasn't going to play much at Arizona this year. Maybe he's a goal line back. Maybe he gets a touchdown or two this season, but nothing that's going to impact um, the team. They've got enough depth at running back to be serviceable. So, you know, both of these guys transferring it's news, but it's really not news because, I don't think either of them were going to play, so it is what it is. Okay. For John Brogan, I'm Mike Luke. As always, this show is brought to you by Rock Auto. 